guys, this is Susie. And this is Tavia. And you're listening to Library Overload. We just wanted to remind you, we've got a website. We can, we have all of our show notes on, so please don't be writing down things while you're driving. It's not safe. <laughs> it's libraryoverload.home.blog. And new, we have an Instagram, and it's just Library Overload. We've got Go check it out. We've got cute pictures of all the books that we talk about and what we're reading. So keep up with us there. Buddy read. It's going to be our very first buddy read, and we are excited about it. Maybe. Well, we're excited to talk about it. <laughs> we might not be excited about other things. So we're going to be talking about Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Yes, and this is actually a nonfiction book, which is shocking for me. I never knew that it was a nonfiction book. Like, I literally learned that couple weeks ago. Yeah, I didn't um, until I started looking into it. And the only reason I was interested in reading this book is because my husband likes the movie and he wanted me to watch the movie. So I said, well, I can't watch the movie until I read the book, obviously. Duh. <laughs> so that's kind of where this whole ball got rolling. And I didn't realize it was a true story either. Um, yeah. But it, it's, it's, it's real life. For me, the novel didn't read like a nonfiction novel. Well, I have some thoughts on the way that it read, but... <laughs> um, it definitely doesn't read like a work of nonfiction. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't think that it was like, I've read a lot of memoirs and stuff like that, and it definitely mm -hmm. did not have the same feel to it. So it's very intriguing for, for what it actually is. Yeah, like last year I went on this huge binge read of like a bunch of true crime and stuff. So when I found out it was true crime, I was legitimately excited. Mm -hmm. And it's 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 like no, no other true crime that I've read before. Right. I mean, it kind of is its own thing. I, I don't think I could put it into one particular category or another. I, for it, it kind of starts off like a bit of a travel book. Mm -hmm. So the premise, basically, is that there's an author. Um, he writes for magazine in New York. The author in the book is never actually discussed. It doesn't tell his name ever. Right. He made himself a character, right. technically, in the book. Correct. But the, the real author is John Brent. I'm not sure how to pronounce that but it's we'll b-e-r-e-n-d-t -E <laughs> so john is a writer he's uh, working for a magazine and he actually is in new york and this is back in the late 70s early 80s he figures out that it is cheaper to get airline tickets and go different places than it is to eat some of the nouveau dining restaurants in in new york that's that are up and coming so yeah. he decides to start doing a lot of traveling and he ends up in savannah takes a fancy to it and ends up staying for quite a while this book is basically his journey through savannah and what happens um, and then there's an event that happens that kind of is, is woven into the book right and what's crazy is i was born in savannah and I, I know that. yeah, and I didn't know that all of this stuff happened there. Well, I mean, obviously I thought it was a work of fiction. I knew that it was in Savannah, but I always thought it was a work of fiction. And so now reading it, like it mentioned all these small towns, mm -hmm. like a few miles outside of Savannah. And yeah. I know all of them. Right. I've been to Savannah only once, but I loved it. And I do remember a lot of the, the destinations that they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And like the old beautiful 
like houses and yes. buildings, all of that. Oh yeah, yeah. I I love history. I love the the history of places in so that the um, history of the city that was kind of woven into the first part of the book was really interesting. Like he kind of in a way makes some of the houses and the locations characters in the book and I thought that was really interesting totally I completely agree so shall we talk about well first we need to kind of say that this is your final warning there will be spoilers we're going to be discussing this book at length now this book came out in 1994 so I feel like you've had some time right and the movie came out in 97, so... Oh, that's that's not very long after. No, not really. Huh. You should... Um, Clint Eastwood did the movie. I did know that. You should be well aware of this story at this point in 2019. So, synopsis really fast before we jump into it. So, the author, John, he goes down to Savannah, ends up basically making it his second home... And stays down there for about eight to ten years. It's off and on. He travels back and mm-hmm. forth. So he befriends several, several people in Savannah. An extensive list of people. Oh, my God. Um, and then talks about each of them. Some of them have several chapters. Some of them only have one. So we'll meet all of them. But kind of the main person in this book is Jim Williams. He owns a beautiful home that has been restored. It's the Mercer House. I it's gorgeous. I forgot to look it up to it's see what really, it looks really like. Pretty. I'm it's gonna... like a, a dark red brick. Mm. It's just it's really pretty. It in my head, it's gorgeous. <laughs> right. um, so John meets Jim Williams, be, kind of form like this mm-hmm. odd little friendship. Everyone in Savannah is super friendly. This is true. On the South, they're very friendly. And um, Jim is an antique dealer, and he's like a bajillionaire. Yes. Um, and he travels a lot and has his home open for antique shoppers and things. So it's kind mm-hmm. of a coming and going, mm-hmm. um, goings on in his house quite a lot. Yes. So one night, late, late, late at night, he ends up calling the police because he has shot dead the boy that works for him. And so you kind of get an insight into what happened and you see the trial and then the second and the third and the fourth. (laughs) The big point of this is that Jim Williams is the only man in the history of the United States that has been tried four times for murder, for the same murder. Yeah. Four, Four separate trials. And that's the bulk of the second half of the book is about the murder the trial and the fallout of all that. So that's where we stand. Let's talk about it now. Okay. Let's go over some of the characters. Okay. First we have Jim Williams. So Mm -hmm. we'll talk about him first. Mm -hmm. So he is, he is a very interesting man to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because he's this very wealthy, but seemingly very friendly kind of guy. There was an instance where there was a, a, a movie crew outside and they kept yes. they kept doing these things that annoyed him. And so he had so much um, Nazi memorabilia. He actually had a Nazi flag 
hung it outside mm-hmm. so it would mess up their moving shot. But then, of course, he, like, pissed off all his neighbors because right. who wants to live next to a Nazi? <laughs> right. No, nobody <laughs> wants to live next to a Nazi. And, like, there was speculation for however many years to come whether he was a Nazi or not. But basically, the movie crews would come in there and they would cover the roads with dirt mm-hmm. and make it look like, you know, the 1800s or whatever. Right. And it would just annoy everyone because they didn't ask permission from the tenants of these um, fancy houses that had been restored there. And one of the big things about Jim Williams as well is he was part of the big revitalization effort for um, historic Savannah. Mm-hmm. So he personally would buy houses and restore them. And that's how he um, he made some money. That way he made a name for himself in Savannah as mm-hmm. a preservationist and, and that sort of thing. So speaking of fre- preservation, he lives right next door to Lee Adler. Who I kind of thought that they were really funny, the Adlers. I thought everyone was nuts. I mean, right. I mean, not one single person in this book that you meet is without eccentricities. Yes, I will I will agree to that. Yeah. So the Adlers live next door. Lee Adler is also a person that has kind of come into Savannah, has started buying up these old homes to save them from being taken down or mm-hmm. re- redone in a way that didn't hold its true value. Mm-hmm. But he goes around about it in a different way that puts him at odds with Jim Williams, like right off the bat. Yes. From the get-go, they can't stand each other. They live next door, and it's hysterical. Yeah, it's kind of like a, you know, hating your neighbor's comedy situation. So next, let's talk about Emma Kelly. I loved Emma Kelly. She was a lot of fun. She's my favorite character in the entire book. I can see that. You're very musically inclined, so I, I can see this from you. So she traveled all over the state, mostly the southern state of Georgia, and play the piano. She played five nights a week at mm-hmm. different bars throughout the city. And then she would, on Sundays, she would go to church. And then she would go to this clubhouse and play piano for the diners that were mm-hmm. eating there for lunch. She did weddings. Oh, she did prom. She, it said mm-hmm. at one point she had done every single high school's prom within a 200-mile radius. That's pretty incredible. I loved her so much. I mean, I don't know what proms were like in the 80s, but we did not have pianists in our no. proms yeah no i have a lot of question about proms <laughs> right um so she is if so, you went so, to prom in the 80s please do let us know if you had <laughs> a find pianist. us on instagram <laughs> and send me a message okay so emma was so sweet and she actually made it all the way up until 2001 before she passed away really she awesome. was she was 82 years old i think she was someone that lived the longest in right. this book i really I love the fact that the, the chapter devoted to her mm-hmm. was called The Lady of 6,000 Songs. Yes. Because she knows she, every song. There's, like, not a song in the world that she can't play, yeah. which is just so cool. So Johnny Mercer is a famous singer-songwriter from Savannah. Uh, Jim Williams, actually, his house is called Mercer House. So that's kind of a fun little triangle. But anyways, Emma Kelly ended up meeting jo- Johnny Mercer's son, at a bar and he kept requesting his father's songs for her to play. And eventually he realized that she knew them all and Mm -hmm. hooked them up. So Johnny Mercer and Miss Emma Kelly had this sweet relationship and Mm -hmm. he kept quizzing her on all these songs. And that's how they came up with, she knew approximately 6,000 songs. Mm -hmm. I love her. She has nothing to do with the book. No, not really. Except for the fact that it's, 
one of the devices where he's telling you about the people of Savannah mm-hmm. and, and the author, John, he goes and spends like a whole day with her. He follows mm-hmm. her from church and she does a wedding and like all of this event. He, she's just like, she's busy nonstop. Oh yeah. But she loves mm-hmm. playing the piano and she just is, she does it everywhere. And it's wonderful. And I actually read an article after she passed away. Her son said that she continued playing the piano five nights a week. Until a month before she died. Oh my goodness. I know. Like That's a passion that she absolutely found. Yeah. She said that she learned when she was very, very little play, picking out Jesus Loves Me on the Aww. piano and never, ever stopped. That's awesome. I, I thought it was wonderful. So this ties in Joe Odom. So he's so much fun. He's he's a wreck. Like, I, yeah, I don't... He's a hot mess. I don't know how to, how to fathom him as a person. I feel like if I met anyone like that, I would run the other direction. Right. This is not a person that you should spend any significant amount no. of time with. Basically, he's a con man. Yeah. So Joe Odom actually knew Emma Kelly since he was a little boy. Mm-hmm. So they knew each other for a long time. He is, he convinced her finally after her traveling five nights a week to different places every single day. He convinced her to finally open a bar of her own so she could kind of be stationary and named it Emma's. Emma's did not last very long. Mostly because Joe Odom, again, is a con man. Most of his endeavors, like he's the smoothest talking con man I have Mm. ever heard of. He went to jail one time for writing bad checks. And when he walked into, not to jail, well, he did go to jail. Mm -hmm. Joe Odom went to, ended up going to court one day for writing bad checks. And when he walked in 20 minutes late to court, all the people that he had written checks to, he walks in, shakes their hand. Hey, how are you? Thanks for coming today. (laughs) So glad to see you. I didn't know you were going to be here. (laughs) It's just like, who are you? Like, and by the end of the court, these people who had taken him to court for for defaulting on the payments were friends with him again yeah because he's such a smooth talker they were basically apologizing for taking him to court right they felt bad about taking him to the court it's absolutely nuts and then he's like oh can I pay you with the check can I pay (laughs) off my debt with the check sure it's fine (laughs) it's it's too much I can't I can't deal with yeah so Joe has a lady friend her name is Mandy in the books yes Mandy Nichols I believe her real name is Nancy Hillis Interesting. He, interestingly enough, the author, he gave her a fake name for some reason. But so she comes out and says, well, I didn't need this alias. Like, this is who I am. But I thought he changed the name of pretty much everybody, didn't he, though? No. I was able to find everybody just with the names used in the book. Oh, yeah. Okay. He did say at the very end that certain names were changed. Certain, um, he even changed descriptions of people just mm-hmm. to protect them so there were a few people that gotcha. i um i wasn't able to find mm-hmm. but yeah mandy aka nancy she was super easy to find she came out after the book and said that she and joe were never a couple because joe was gay oh that's interesting yes and actually the author answered and was like i kind of thought that maybe they didn't have a romantic relationship but then it was already in the book. So <laughs> like, <laughs> right. oh, well. So he's blurring the lines between the fiction, nonfiction. Yes. I, I get that. He came out at the very end of the uh, of the book. It says names were changed to protect. Uh, descriptions were sometimes changed. Mm-hmm. And it also said that he took slight liberties with. Slight. Mm, he took slight liberties 
um, including time frames, uh, inserting himself into uh, situations that he was not there. Oh, that makes sense. Because I kept thinking, how did he keep getting invited to all these things? This is the biggest thing that I was like, what the hell? So the author didn't meet Williams until after his very first conviction. That's interesting. I know. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. I know. Like, it blew my mind. Like, so he just, he heard all these stories about what had happened before and then kind of inserted himself into the story. I guess if you're going to write a book, that's the way to go about it. But then we kind of are really blurring the lines between fiction and nonfiction. Exactly. That's my thing. Like, it's nonfiction, fine, but don't tell it like these people are including you in their narratives. Right, because I absolutely thought that they had all become friends. and Right. Yeah. It blew my mind when I read that. I, was I think that that makes some of the stuff that some of the dialogue towards the end of the book is just completely different. I, it, it, that changes how I see this book now. I know. So I finished it last night. And was doing all this research, and I just kept going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, just <laughs> over and over, because I just kept finding all this information. Were and you it, saying these things out loud, or were you internalizing them? Out loud. My would, fiance was sitting next to me like, what? I would what love are you to have been there when you about? were like. <laughs> like, and I'd be like. <gasps> <laughs> That's amazing. And my fiance was just like, what? What are you freaking out about? And I was like. Let me tell you. And, <laughs> and so, then he was like, no, I don't And care. then he was like, I regret asking you questions now. But yeah. he was stuck. <laughs> so, yeah. I thought all of that was so, so interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah. For so sure. it really changes it. It doesn't make it. He's he's writing this in first person. And he when he doesn't have to. Like most right. true crimes are just written like this is what happened. Mm -hmm. This is the research, like all of that. And he wrote it in a weird way, which at first you're like, oh, this is so cool. He was actually there. Yeah. He saw this happen. No, no, no. Like he. Yeah, that completely changes the narrative. I know. Yeah. No, it's it's like, what? I feel like you should have shared this with me before. No, I wanted you to hear it first live here on Library of <laughs> You're ridiculous. <laughs> But it really does change. It changes my opinion of what actually happens. It changes my opinion of, of how the the book ends. I know. My it's, mind is spin, spinning right now. I know. I, I nominate myself to be the official fact checker for the podcast. I'm happy to do so. That is good because that does not sound like something I'd want to do. Oh, it sounds like so much fun. <laughs> I am such a nerd. <laughs> this is absolutely true. I mean, I'm a nerd too, but I'm not the... Um, you don't like my notes? I do. I, <laughs> I do. Look, if you'll... You guys can't see this, but she has a ton of notes in front of her and I have zero. <laughs> I will take a picture <laughs> and I will put it in the show notes. <laughs> I'm, I'm not that kind of organized person. I'm more... Yeah, fly by the seat of my pants. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, we'll figure it out. Um, I stressed my sister out to the nth degree at my wedding because yeah. of this. She's like, you have to do something. You have to plan something. I was like, nah, it'll, it'll, just, it'll just be fine. Yeah. That makes my hair want to fall out. Well, I'm glad I can help your life. Yeah. Okay, so a couple more people to talk about. How do you pronounce her name? Chablis or Chablis? Chablis. It's like the, the, uh, the alcohol. Lady Chablis. In my head, it was Chablis. <laughs> All right. Have you never heard of the alcohol Chablis? No. I think it's like a um, champagne or something. No. Does that mean I'm not classy? It does. Okay. 
All right. So Lady Chablis is up next. I have so much to say about her. Please go. Because I, I don't know what to say. Like She I, is like 18 people in one person. She's all over the place. I so first of all, mm. she's a drag queen. Yes. That she was she was born a man, lives her life as a woman now, but doesn't want to undergo the surgery because she says she doesn't need to. Yes. Has a boyfriend who considers himself straight. And he is white. She is black. This is true. She also is. And this is the 80s for the record. She also is a little bit racist. She is super racist. Yes. To black people. Yes. I mm. like she I think she's classist to black people a bit too like she she definitely thinks there are bougie black people and then there are people like her she's i i think she was my least favorite person really i i liked her just because she was so outlandish and then i kept thinking this is a real person like this is not a made-up person this is someone who is legitimately real yeah i i kept i kept thinking like how are there people like this Mm-hmm. She's absolutely nuts. Basically, she likes to make people uncomfortable mm-hmm. about her sexuality, about her relationship, about everything. So she has a, a show that she does. And if you're not paying attention to her, she'll call you out in the middle of the show and like make fun of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then her boyfriend's parents didn't realize that she was actually a man. And she thought that they were going to call her out about it. And they, they asked if she was pregnant. So then she pretended to be pregnant to and get all this, to extort all this money from her boyfriend's parents. Well, no, they kept giving her money to abort. Yeah, to get abortions. fake baby. Right. I mean, and she could never be pregnant to begin with because she's not a woman. And she, I, like, everything I read about her just gave me severe anxiety. Because mm-hmm. if I had to deal with a person like that. I, I don't know. I don't even know. Right. Oh, and she quits the drag show because she doesn't get paid because she didn't actually work uh, one night and she thought she should have been paid even though she didn't work. Mm-hmm. And she quits in like this glorious conga yeah. line of costumes out the door. Yeah. And it's just, I thought that was hysterical. It's uh, Where I lost my patience with her was the, the debutante ball. Oh, yeah. So every, every December there is a white debutante ball. And the night before, so that was always on a Saturday. The Mm -hmm. night before was always Jim Williams' Christmas party, but it was also the same night as the black debutante (laughs) ball. So the author possibly is invited to... Could could or could not have been. Yeah, there's no telling. So he, he was invited, in quotation marks, by the man who actually started this event. And he, he gets himself invited and... Chablis finds out about it and she's like you know you're taking me as your date and and luckily the author is like no oh no no that's not gonna happen no and so then she's mad that he doesn't think she's good enough to go or that she would embarrass him which is legitimately the truth is absolutely what happens his biggest mistake was telling her about it absolutely he should never have told her about it the night of the ball comes and she shows up anyway uninvited Mm. and makes everyone uncomfortable like she for the rest of the night she's nuts like i can't think of another word like she's Mm -hmm. just insane so she 
kind of weaves her way in, finds this cute guy, starts talking to him. Who's finds, like he has to be a teenager. Yeah, yeah, he has to be very young. So she starts talking to him, finds out he's escorting his sister. So she starts talking to the sister and finds out just a, just enough information about her to start saying these crazy things right the premise of the debutante is that you have to have a spotless reputation you have to have had a certain gpa Mm -hmm. um all of this stuff to be even considered as one of the debutantes yes Uh, lady chablis finds out enough to start a rumor to some of the people in the room that that girl is actually very promiscuous and she she just does her whoring in atlanta yeah she that's legitimately a phrase she says she does her whoring in atlanta she said none of them people up there will find out you do all your whoring in atlanta i just i and this poor girl who didn't actually do anything ever she just kind of didn't want her brother dancing with lady chablis i and you never know what happens. Mm-hmm. Like, why even tell me this, this tiny little mm-hmm. sliver of information without finding out if that right. poor girl is kicked out or not? Right. <sighs> so that's when I lost my patience with Lady Shipley. And thankfully, she's not in the book after that point because I believe the author also felt the same. Probs. Okay, so now we're going to go to John uh, Jim Williams' lawyer, Sonny Siler. Who is the owner of Ugga, the Georgia Bulldog, the mascot for the Georgia Bulldogs? So he is literally ride or die, Georgia Bulldogs. Like they were in the middle of the third or the fourth trial. And it's right in the middle of the stupid football season. Mm -hmm. And so Jim will call him and be like, hey, I've. This is hysterical. Hey, how are things going? And he was like, oh, they're going really bad. It's real bad. bad. And Jim is in prison. And Jim's like, what? And he's like, yeah, we're losing right now, man. (laughs) He's talking about the damn football. Uh, crap about the football game. I am in jail for murder. I need you to focus your attention on this murder trial. But Sonny Siler did no such thing. No. Yeah. That's literally <laughs> all he cared about. So Sonny Siler is still alive to this day. Mm-hmm. He participated in a documentary about Ugga. That's awesome. It's called Damn Good Dog. I mean, that's what they say. When yeah. When Ugga comes out, they chant the oh. damn good dog. Oh, I thought it was just something Sonny said. No, that's what the whole georgia fan base when Ugga comes out at the football games they do the chant damn good dog and then they go ar, 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 ar. that's too <laughs> I much i sounded like a seal and not a dog in that <laughs> scenario <laughs> it's too much i'm not a georgia fan but i live with a georgia fan so i know lots of information about this and they're all the, all the dogs are buried on, on the, the field, field which is so creepy to me yeah in the movie sunny siler plays the judge of the that's actually him. He's in the movie. And so is Lady Chablis. She's in the movie as well. She plays That's herself. That's interesting. But what I did find interesting is, so in this documentary, Damn Good Dog, John Brent, the author of Midnight in the uh, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, has a role in it. And Lady Chablis appears in the documentary as well. Okay. Right? I was like, That's odd. Okay. I mean, I get why Lady Chablis played herself in the movie, and then she actually went on to do a couple of other acting things. Um, She's since passed, but... She did. She passed in 2016. 
Chablis also ended up getting a $100,000 advance from Simon & Schuster to write her own autobiography. That she never wrote? Nope. Hiding My Candy, the autobiography of the Grand Empress of Savannah. And that's what she called herself was the Grand Empress of Savannah. I would have read that book. I don't know. She was so eccentric and fascinating and it's like a train wreck like you Mm -hmm. realize that this is a crappy person but Mm -hmm. you can't kind of want to know what's going to happen next it's the same reason people watch those housewife shows yes that exactly okay so last person nope that's a lie second to last person i want to talk about we meet a lot of people in this book (laughs) it's too many so serena dawes i thought she was just so crazy and cool and just I would love to be her when I grow up. Right. So I want to have basically, like this. so basically, she is this fabulous woman that just basically lays in bed all day because she's left her husband. Died? I believe he died. Okay. So her husband has passed away. She's got crap loads of money. So she just spends every day basically in bed. She was very well off. She was a society lady. Mm-hmm. And um, she married into, I think it was one of the steel families of Pittsburgh. Yeah. And so they had like a crap ton of money. But she was from Savannah. So when her husband died, she came back home. Right. So she came down. The author says that he met her. They gallivanted all over town one night because mm-hmm. the guy that she was with at the moment thought that he could make fish glow in the dark. That is an episode of the Big Bang Theory. It is. Which is my favorite TV show on the planet. <laughs> so I was intrigued by the And uh, his name is Luther Drigger. Yeah. In the book. And he is an eccentric who um, they're kind of thinking that he might poison the water supply of Savannah one day. And yeah. kill everybody. And he, he has flies attached to strings that yeah. he kind of carries around as pets. And he's super and weird. He's, um, he's the man friend of Serena. So Serena... Um, supposedly our author met her there's no one that lived in savannah during the 80s like serena dawes the woman that it could possibly be died in 1974 interesting Mm -hmm. so i don't know if this was just him being like oh i need another person to write about why did you need another person to write about you had 87 million others i i don't understand who who he was writing about like i don't interesting yeah i don't get it at all yeah i looked it up and everything that i could find out there was no one with that name no one alive during that time that it could have possibly been about besides a woman that died in 1974 okay yeah we've got serena we've got lee adler we've got chablis sunny his lawyer we've got joe odom who ended up passing away from um, pneumonia caused by HIV. Oh. So he died and is actually buried in Claxton, Georgia, where I grew up. Well, what a small world. It's insane. I've never even heard of Claxton until I met you. I know. That's insane. No, they kept naming all these cities down there. And I was like, oh, I've been there. Oh, I've been there. What? He's buried in Claxton. We can go pay our respects to the greatest con man. Absolutely. And that's not even half of the people that are discussed. Like, I there's c- the one guy that walks the dog, the invisible dog. Yeah. That, um, yeah, some just tons and tons and tons of characters so that set people. the stage for all the crazies in Savannah. So the, so the last person that I've got written down is Spencer Lawton. 
he was Savannah's district attorney, was made to appear like this bumblesome, pitiful guy like that couldn't get, win a case. And was just kind of dumb. Yeah. So, obviously, the case got overturned and it eventually dismissed after the fourth time. Mm-hmm. They kept finding inconsistencies in the the evidence mm-hmm. or the storyline. Or stuff would be hidden. Right. And then there was a hung jury once. Yes. Um, and so, he was convicted three times and it went to appeal every single time. Mm-hmm. And then the final jury was held. The trial was held elsewhere. In Augusta, Georgia. In Augusta, Georgia. So, the fresh jury they didn't Um, know who this guy was um so spencer lawton was the district attorney when he first got jim williams case he had only been the da for two years Mm -hmm. Uh, after this came out he looked like this idiot of a man who couldn't really handle this job like Mm -hmm. obviously this case got overturned so many times blah blah blah. he Remained the Chatham County District Attorney for 28 years. Interesting. He retired in 2009. Oh, wow. So he obviously did something right. I don't know. Like, I don't even, I don't even know. I would be intrigued to see his, his records. Yeah, that would be interesting. I mean, not so intrigued that I'm going to research them, but (laughs) if someone else. Maybe I will. (laughs) Right. If someone else had that, I'd be intrigued to see that. We have not talked about Danny. Oh, yeah, the dead guy. He's not dead in the first part of the book. Danny Hansford is a very young, very volatile, angry, drug user, alcoholic, Mm -hmm. gender fluid. Yes, because he has a girlfriend throughout the whole book. Yeah, he keeps saying my girlfriend won't marry me. And then he's sleeping with all these other people. Girls and boys. Yeah. And then he apparently during when it comes out during the trial, he was a gigolo for some significant time. For men and women. Yeah. It's assumed in the trial that he is the lover of Jim Williams. Although that's never actually confirmed. No, it's just one of the things that they use. Again, because we're in the 80s, um, mm-hmm. homosexuality was a big deal. And especially in Savannah, it mm-hmm. was it was a an offense. They like they had a drunk tank and a and a gay tank. Mm-hmm. When Jim Williams was a um was put in jail for two years. He had to stay because it was an appeal. They couldn't just cart him off to the Reedsville prison, which mm-hmm. I've actually driven by. Oh, wow. Um, but so he couldn't be sent off to the Reedsville prison, which was technically good for him because the prison was so horrible during right. those times. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually good that he just stayed in the local jail, but it meant that he stayed in this tiny ass drunk tank for gay men mm-hmm. and was surrounded. It was it was gays and it was crazies. Mm-hmm. Criminal, or it was the insane and the homosexuals. Yes. And they lumped them into one category. Yes, because they are the same. Obviously. So, yeah, it's, I, this whole, this whole story is too much. Yes, it's, it is. So, the, um, the murder basically comes to, the author sets up the fact that Danny is very volatile, very angry. Mm-hmm. And the story is that Jim shoots him out of self defense. There are just, enough holes in this story to have sunk the titanic yes i don't know what happens see before you dropped a cosmic bomb on me to begin with i thought (laughs) that the author and jim williams were friends Mm -hmm. and so when he told him at the end that the story that he told the police that he'd been sticking to wasn't actually the real one i Mm -hmm. thought that was a bit of him confessing to murdering him 
but that doesn't seem as plausible now that I know that, I mean, he never would, he never told him that. Yeah. And the thing is, uh, Jim Williams passed away very recently after he was cleared of all charges. Like two years after, which was crazy because, okay, so when Jim Williams shoots and kills Danny, that's, that part is just irrefutable. Jim Williams does shoot Danny. Danny dies. And this happened in real life. So Jim Williams was sitting at his desk when Danny walked in. Supposedly, Danny shot at Jim. Jim reached into his desk drawer, grabbed his gun, and shot Danny. Mm -hmm. So Danny died right in front of his desk a couple years, well, like eight to ten years after the fact, when he was finally freed and cleared of all charges. Mm -hmm. Jim Williams died in the same exact spot that he would have if Danny had shot him. Yeah, I think that's so cool. And what I think ties into that is because the the voodoo lady that we didn't talk about, so Jim, during the whole trial, he doesn't necessarily believe in voodoo, but he hires a voodoo lady to help him with his mm-hmm. juju, or I'm not yeah. up on my voodoo ling- lingo, but... Oh, you're not? No. So she does all these, you know, rituals and ceremonies and stuff, and her, her and the author at the end of the book discuss and she's like um danny's spirit is really angry because mr jim hasn't told the truth Uh and i can't get him to be quiet so it's her assessment that danny's spirit is the one that kills jim at the end of it which i think is just really cool i actually really liked the fact that when you finally get into the story of him if the of the author being in savannah he starts out in a in a cemetery yes that's kind of cool and then the book ends Mm -hmm. with him in the cemetery Mm -hmm. i thought that was really cool yep and the premise of the midnight in the garden Ah. title is that the voodoo lady there's an hour that's 30 minutes before midnight and 30 minutes after midnight that's the dead hour and if you're wanting to work good you do it in the garden which is the cemetery Mm -hmm. Uh, and the 30 minutes before midnight and if you're wanting to work evil you do it in the 30 minutes after midnight don't you love when you figure out why a book yes. is titled the way it is Yay. oh I, they said it in there and it's I know, there i know when i figured that out i was well when i finished the book i was like why why the hell was this book titled the way it is and then i kept thinking about it and i was like <gasps> the dead hour yes the dead like, hour. oh my god like uh once i figured it out i thought mm-hmm. it was so so cool yes and the um he paid the voodoo lady 25 dollars a day mm-hmm during the whole course of all of his four trials and all of that to work her magic. Yep. And they had to get things like water that had never passed through a pipe and, you know, different things so that she could do her stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting. Oh, and she did a lot of her stuff over the grave of her dead lover. Which was the original voodoo guy that Jim Williams used. Right. He was the voodoo priest and um, he was with her for quite a while. And so she uses his bones, but she's constantly mad at him because he won't tell her the lottery numbers to play (laughs) to get any money. So she's constantly mad at him at the same time. Okay. So things that you liked about the book, go. I liked, I liked the characters I thought they were really interesting once, um, like just hearing the little bits of crazy from everybody and realizing these are real people. Huh. And, and that was kind of intriguing to me. But the first, the, the murder doesn't happen till yeah. over 50% into the book. Page 174. And I kept waiting because I knew this murder had happened. It's in the jacket. It's the first thing that it talks about. Oh, so when, okay. So you knew what was 
going to happen eventually. Right. Okay. See, I do this weird thing where if someone tells me I should read a book, I try really hard to not even read the synopsis. Mm -hmm. So I go in completely blind. So I went into this knowing this is a true crime. So obviously someone is going to die. And I kept waiting and waiting and turning pages. And so finally I hit page 174 and Danny's finally dead. And I'm like, Tavia, I am 53% into this book. This is crap. So the latter half of the book, I found much more intriguing than I found the first part of the book. Like, I get why you're telling us about the people and about the city, and I get all of that. I feel like it could have been a lot less. Mm -hmm. But from the moment that the murder happens onward, I found it a really, really enjoyable read. So I enjoyed all the little facts that I learned. Yes. Like, so in the beginning, when when John first goes to Savannah, he meets a lady, and she says that she's going to show him the real Savannah. She takes him to a cemetery because apparently that's what you do. And mm-hmm. she shows him a, the tomb of William Gaston, who has died in 1837. And he made his mausoleum one extra space larger so that if any visitor is in Savannah and dies, they have a place to temporarily rest because Savannah is the perfect hostess's place. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. And I read that and I was like, yeah, that's 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 the South. Mm-hmm. Like, that sounds just like it. And I thought that was super interesting. Um, so the book came out and I believe it was 93. It may have been 94, though. And after it came out, Savannah had an increase of tourism that was 54%. Oh, wow. It it shot up Savannah's tourism like crazy. That's awesome. There was even a gift shop titled The Book, because that's what they called it down in Savannah. <laughs> there was a shop called The Book, and you could buy anything related to Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil at this little shop. And it actually stayed open until 2012. Oh, wow. Yeah. I wish I had known that when I was down there because I was I down know. there during that time. I know. I would have loved to have seen it. I thought that was really interesting. But yeah, I liked the little facts that I came to learn about Savannah. Mm-hmm. I was not a fan of this book, though. I struggled with my rating on it because I think when I first told you I was finished, it was around a three. And mm. then I, I've gone back and forth between a three and a half to a four because I really did like the story. Mm. I just didn't like all of the extra bits. I really enjoyed the murder trial and the voodoo lady and, and all of that from the time that the murder happened onward. But I could have done without 90% of the mm. first half of the book. I agree. Um, I, I even wrote down that. I could have gone without approximately 80% of the entire book. I feel like it was a whole lot of white privilege in a book. Yes, I, I would agree with that. Like, it was just rich white people complaining about rich white people problems, mm-hmm. talking about how they're they're fixing up Savannah when they're really just re... They're gentrifying it. Yeah, and it's it was just a whole lot... And the homosexual and racial slurs that the bigotry were used, in this book was ridiculous. It made me it made my skin crawl. And I I think that that's pretty spot on for the eighties though. I know absolutely, especially the eighties in the South. Absolutely, one hundred percent. But it's still like I just <laughs> right. It doesn't make it any better. Yeah, we do have to remember when we read history stuff that to try not to look at it from our 
modern perspective. Yeah. To give them the benefit of the doubt of their times. But yeah, after the the checking into it that I did and all of that, like you can't call you can't write something like this that is partially fiction, call it true crime and kind of masquerade in a way that just Right. Knowing that he didn't meet actually meet all of these people makes an entirely different book. I feel like it no longer can be yeah a, a work of fiction it can be based on a true story yes but it cannot no it can no longer be non-fiction I completely agree and that really really bothered me and then the final my final issue is like you had mentioned there were too many people involved like if he wanted to write something about the characters that he met in Savannah that would be one thing but we meet Jim William in one of the first chapters, and then 11 chapters later, we find him again after he's killed Danny. Right. Like, I wonder what literary purpose it serves to introduce him so early and right. then go away from him for so long. Right. Like, it's it's very strange. When I'm ready to rate this, it's going to be between a one and a two for me. Oh, wow. Yeah, when you said a four, I was like, whoa. Just because, I mean, I enjoyed the storyline of the murder and the trials and all that. And I enjoyed that part of it very, very much. I did not care for, again, all of the extra bits. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like we we met too many people that cluttered the story. Yeah. Like, I could have just done with the murder and the story of the, the trial. Yeah. Without meeting anyone extra. Yeah. So, yeah, I hated it. Susie has a very real tendency to dislike the books that I pick. Well, it's because you pick terrible books. I disagree with that. I have liked a lot of the books that I've picked. That I think the only two that I did not like that you didn't like were um, Serena mm-hmm. and The Lovely Bones. But the other ones I've all liked. I hated The Orphan Train, too. I know, and I loved it. <laughs> I, I like a lot of historical fiction stuff, and she just is not really into that. I'm going to make you read a creepy true crime next. All right. Oh, legit. Our next buddy read will be chosen by Susie. (laughs) Yeah, it will. (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us today.